top of the table, that's exciting. Bottom of the table, that's exciting. Like that's the sort of football that you want to be. And these are the pressure games that in 15, 20 years time, I will look back on and I will remember these are the important matches for me, not middle table teams. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. How are you all doing? It's episode four of the Football Pod here with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. I've got the two lads with me. We are recording as we always do on a Monday night. It is February the 14th, Valentine's night. What are you two doing here with me on Zoom? Thought you'd be busy this evening, no? Three losers. <laughs> <laughs> three lads with three months. And here we are chatting for an hour and a half, talking garbage on Zoom. Oh, it's sad times, lads. Well, sad times. We got it on last night. A lovely romantic dinner last night. Well played, James. And a, and a handy Monday night then. Where'd you go? The Ross. You know the Ross in Killarney? Or the Lane Bar? Oh, beautiful. Sounds romantic. It is. It is romantic. Her treat, of course. Ah, not lovely. <laughs> now we the voucher. <laughs> Brilliant. Christmas present. I had to get rid of him. Had to be used by the end of February. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah, we went out Saturday night, and I was Christmas Cinderella because I had us home by midnight. So it was a nice night out. Though, oh, Paddy, what did you get up to? You're a newly married man. Surely yourself and Doreen got up to yeah, something. I've ticked the box now. I'm free. I don't have to do Valentine's Day for at least three years now. I have to go right. to the end of December. So that's how it works. Now we, uh, what did we do? We actually went for pizza last night, uh, very romantic, um, and that was it. And we worked today. Got a set of flowers for her, and I'm actually looking at them across the kitchen there. Now, Lovely. So, yeah, who said romance is dead? She's inside watching telly. <laughs> right, boys, we better crack on here. Saturday night, we got to talk about this. The club finals were on. It was a funny time for them to be on. They were in between the rugby, which is kind of tough. I'm not sure they got the, the audience they may have got. No. But I tell you one thing. If there was ever a sport to take off on social media, if they needed a clip, they got two fairy tale endings. Like <laughs> Harry Ruddle's score for Ballygunner. Like, it is just ridiculous. The, I know we don't talk about hurling very much here on the football pod. We're football snobs here. But just to take that ball 50 yards from goal, run in and bury it from 40 yards, just outrageous stuff. And you just didn't think it could be topped. That's called a spade a spade. The football final, it wasn't the greatest game to watch. It was no. tough going for a while. But I think it could have been anticipated given the two styles of the teams. They were quite similar. So you were possibly expecting something like that. But Jesus, Paddy, the way that ended... Have you been talking to Andy Crokes, boys? <laughs> I think Paul Mannion is, uh, he's there in body, but he's not there in mind at the minute, I'd say, for the last couple of days. But uh, no, it was it was an interesting way to end it. Obviously, the hurling was Hollywood stuff, like for Valley Gunner, and, and the same for Kilkew, who've been knocking on the door for the last couple of years. My takeaway from it, and we've touched on this uh, last season, it probably came to the fore, goalkeepers, getting involved in the play. And what Rory Began and Noel Morgan have started, and they've done it really well, I think some maybe goalkeepers can get carried away with this. And you look at the last play, Conor Ferris comes out. It's it's, it's not just him with Croaks. Croaks kind of six points up in the first half, and you assume that they're going to see it out. Because they're really, really struggling which is uncharacteristic for them considering they've been in finals before, but they looked unbelievably nervous. They get it back and they, and they get the draw. Then Croaks, to be fair, to know, Keane O'Connor, who, who was actually on the Dublin squad, he, he's a back, kicks two massive frees, like for, for a guy who's not a free taker, not a forward, and kicks two really pressurised frees and looks to have won it for Croaks again. And they go two points up and Kilmacud start playing this keep ball 
uh, like maybe time wasting tactic. That's a really, really high risk strategy. And even as it was happening, I was watching it before. Obviously, the incident where Conor Ferris kicks the ball away. You're nervous for Croaks because you're thinking that I don't know if they've the, the capability to pull this off. It's really high risk if it goes wrong. That's it can lose you the game. And the big thing I would say, and we used to do this quite a bit with Dublin, and we've done it in, in big games against Mayo in particular in all our finals. If you're keeping the ball, it's fine. But you've got to move, you can't keep it in the same position, the same area of the pitch. So if you have a wing back and say you're on the Hogan stand side and you hand pass the ball back to the cornerback, that's fine. But the next pass has to be out of that area. You have to go across to the goalkeeper or across to the other side of the pitch. You can't keep it in the same area because what it does, it allows a cluster. It gives the opposition a target to come and close you down. And you can see it a couple of times where Croaks were kill queue, Croaks were maybe two or three hand passes, but all in the same area of the pitch and can Kilku were converging on them and you're just thinking this is going to go wrong here. They're going to turn this ball over. And it happens there at, at, at the Hogan stand side. Yeah. The pass that should have been made was into the centre of the pitch. There's a wing back in the middle of the pitch. There's three Kilku guys coming. And because the goalkeeper, Connor Ferris, is there, why he's out basically at his 45, he should not be out there. He, he In no way should he be out there. He shouldn't even be an option. But because he's there, the ball is hand-passed back to him. And Kilku are all over him. And, and you can just see this, this is going to go wrong. And, and to be fair, he's probably better off. If you look back, he could kick it into the stand, just kick it into Rose's head and kill 10 seconds and let, let's get set again. He could just literally overcarry the ball, nearly cause a melee you know, after last week and just not give the ball back. And, and that kills 30 or 40 seconds. And again, it allows Crokes to get set. The worst thing he can do is lash the ball away to the middle of the pitch and you're watching on telly, so you're just hoping from a Crokes point of view there's someone there, a Crokes, so I can even break it. But it pans out and it's literally onto the bread basket of Kilku. And this, honest to God, the second he kicked the ball there, I said straight away, they're in trouble here. That is the last place that you go. He should, look at that, I don't think the goalkeeper should be out there, but if you're playing that keep ball tactic, You've got to get it out of the air. You can't keep it in the same area for 10, 15 seconds mm. because teams are going to converge. And if you look, we, we said in, in, in the first pod of this year reviewing the first game in the National League, the same thing happened with Mayo and Donegal at Markovic Park. Where Donegal are a point up and Mayo are a team that are really difficult to do this against because their forwards close you down. They hound you. And Ryan McHugh gets a ball over on the, on the sideline. And it's fine trying to keep the ball in those conditions. It was very difficult, but he goes back to Sean Patton. Mm. And it's in the same, it's a 10 yard hand pass. And Sean Patton then starts soloing the ball. You've got to get it out of there quickly. You kick it dead or get an end to the middle of the pitch and across to the far side. You keep it in the same area. Mayo end up winning the free. Rob Henley kicks the score. Donegal lose the two points and croaks the exact same scenario. Back to the goalkeeper. Panics. And it's, it, it's a disaster. The minute it goes to kill Kill, you're thinking they're under pressure here. And, and they'll regret it because it's it's yeah. the All-Ireland Club final. It's a massive game. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's an error that's so avoidable. But you, you could kind of get the sense it's a high-risk strategy and the, the wrong players were on the ball at the wrong time. And ultimately, that's what's cost. Yeah, James, like that's, that's, that's the thing. Sorry, Tommy, but that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. In the last minute of a, of a game, the people you don't want on the ball yeah. are your full back line and your goalie. If you're going to hold the ball 
get it up the field to your good players who are who love having the ball and love taking that pressure on, on themselves around the opposition 45 and you can go over and back maybe there and maybe back a bit and up again. But as soon as you invite them onto your keeper and your full back line, mm. it's like a mental switch. You could see the Kilku lads. Once it went back to, to the keeper, they went, we, we have them. We're in here. And even when you saw the, the behind the, the goal camera, which we like, yeah, all you could see was Kilku jerseys for some reason. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, there's no full back line going to be sprinting to help a fellow out there. It's the, it's the half forward line who are comfortable on the ball. You want going for it. Would I be right in saying that's really interesting the way you said it? Would I be right in, in picturing in the 2019 All Ireland final when Dublin are a man down and they're playing the manager somehow? I think they're their head. They're playing keep ball in that first game, and I can also picture it in the 2017 final. All I can it's picture is Johnny Cooper on the sideline somehow miraculously between himself and Clucks keeping it away against Mayo it was against Mayo sorry it wasn't Kerry it was against Mayo like pretending sometimes I suppose you can't what say it again pretending to look camp <laughs> but it was so close it was so close yeah. like but sometimes I suppose you can't get it up the field but, but what I'd say on that Tommy and we we would have practiced this scenario so much we'd have been happy enough for Johnny being on the ball because Johnny's a real he's Unbelievable football, and in terms of a goalkeeper that you'd like to have on it, like you'd have Morgan, you'd have Began, you'd have Cluxton. Mm. This is now triggering all goalkeepers to try and do this, and that is not the way this should happen. All those guys play outfield with their clubs; they're naturally good players. But what we would have done with Dublin, if you look, I remember it well because we focused on Charlie Cooper's on the Cusack stand side, mm. and Mayo are bear in mind this is the last minute of an All Ireland, so. Every team is going to be desperate to get the ball back, particularly now, the way their forwards tackle. You draw them in, and Johnny like knows there's two or three guys coming to him, gets the ball back to Cluxton, who then kicks it to the far side of the pitch. And Niall Scully ends up being in total space. The referee ends up blowing the whistle, but Niall Scully's probably drew on goal at that stage. But what we would have always said is if you're keeping the ball, the max passes you'd have in one area is two or three, and then it, it needs to get out of that area because the team are going to converge in there. Yeah. Particularly if you're on the sideline. And, yeah. and if you go back to the cornerback and goes back to the halfback, the sideline's a defender. The next yeah. pass has to be out of there. Somebody has to come and get that ball in the middle of the pitch. Or if you're really brave, you, you go all the way across, like a Dermot Connolly and kicks it 60 yards across the pitch. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's a high risk strategy. And I was never comfortable watching Croaks doing it because you just got the sense. <laughs> They're, they're not overly comfortable doing this. There's massive pressure on it at the time. But when you see the goalkeeper coming out getting it, it's like, yeah. you should not be out there. You should not. Like, even if it's Rory O'Carroll coming to get the ball or someone like that. Yeah. You could see it going wrong. That's... But even the, even the forwards mindset there, Paddy, right? Say if I was defending as a, as a forward and James McCarthy was, had the ball. Yeah. I'd kind of be stepping off him because I know that he's so comfortable on the ball and he has that first to pace that he'll he'll go past me. Whereas if I see a fella whose solo is maybe a bit high and he's kind of juggling it a bit, yeah. I can kind of get excited then. I can dispossess this fella. And as soon as I go, the next two or three fellas are coming in as well and suddenly there's a massive press on. Like when it comes down to All-Ireland Finals, those things make such a difference. Just who's on the ball at the, at the right time. But yeah. you're right about if he if the goalie there just just overcarried it, yeah, because he'd gone down probably. They'd have tried to wrestle the ball off him. 
there would have been uh, Emily. Revolving Emily after last week, but, yeah, yeah. but, but if he does that, that kills yeah. a minute on the clock. It's done. And Croaks get everyone back. The minimum they're giving away is a point. Minimum. Exactly. Even 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 the mistake aside, and there was so much that went on in that game, like the Kilkula had spoke about being sick at half time. They'd only kicked two points and they felt like they'd let themselves down. They got back to the I suppose the the edge of being on top of the mountain and they were about to let themselves lose. And they came out in that second half and they came back and they just equalized. Can't remember who the the Croaks defender was that made that unbelievable block but on, on Brannigan, but Devlin ends up squeezing the ball over the bar, bringing it to extra time. Rory O'Carroll had made a couple of massive tackles in those, those last couple of minutes as well. But like that, when that ball lands in a Kukuman's hand, James, like I know it's last chance to lose, but like the way Shane and Johnson takes that ball on, he doesn't rush it. He doesn't bomb it into the square. Now it's insane that there's two lads unmarked on the edge of the square yeah. and they get two chances. The two Johnsons are there. But when Shane takes that man on, two men on and picks out his brother, Shot saved and Jerome was in the right place at the right time. Like this is a fellow who scored so many goals throughout the Ulster and the the club and the provincial series this year. And he was asked about it. And I don't know whether he just brushed it off and said it was a bit of luck, but he did so well to stay out of the square as well. Like I don't know whether that's a fluke. Yeah. Like, is it a fluke that he's a foot and he's just waiting? But it was an unbelievably you have to take your moment when it's presented to you. You do, but the way the way he's gone around, the way when he gets the ball and he takes it past the wing back. Like mm, you're know, talking yeah. about, you're talking 90th minute probably, where he played 65 plus 20 odd, you know, in the extra time plus injury time. And he's had the confidence in his legs and his fitness, in his skills to go, to take a man on and then pick out a pass with his head up. And I know how Kilmacott had nobody there in front of the goal in the last second is unforgivable. But to be fair, you have to give Kilku credit yeah. for great because... If you think about it, it was actually six. It was, it was the twentieth minute with two to go. One the yeah. two minutes into time, mm. if he chipped a point, they're looking at a kick out, yeah. with a chance to draw. So he went for the juggler. He made the call there. He goes right. We're going off for nothing here with two minutes to go, and it, it paid off. But I mean, to, for the ball to fall to you in front in the six air box with a chance to win the All Ireland. I mean, it is just, it's fairy tale stuff. He did unreal. Yeah. I, would have thrown, I would have thrown a leg at it. Yeah. <laughs> would you? Would you? Instead of kicking, instead of catching it? I would have volleyed it, yeah. I probably would have shanked it, but he did well to, to set himself to catch it. Yeah, sensational. On the point of how, you're right, there, there's, there's two Kukul lads in, inside 10 yards from inside the square on their own. And you're thinking, how was that happening? We said it. We were dissecting the Dublin RMA match in week one, talking about how Dublin looked so open at the back because they turned the ball over in their attack. Mm. They're not set defensively. And I, I swear to God, lads, I was watching and asked my wife, she was sitting there watching with me. The second that ball is kicked with a goalkeeper, Conor Ferris, and it lands with the QQ player in the middle of the pitch, I said, they're, they're in trouble here. Like, mm. Because you're not set. The, the players who shifted across and try and get the ball off the goalkeeper... The Q have pushed everyone forward. They are under pressure. And again, you're looking at that play where he goes, boy, it's Andy McGowan with a brilliant game for Croaks. Yeah. I'm shouting at him, pull him down. Give away the free. You're two yeah. points up. And I'll give you a classic example. Keno Sullivan won't thank you for this. We were playing Donegal in 2016 in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. It was the first time we'd played them since the famous game with the better since 2014. And we were winning the game quite comfortably with a good first half. 
and we must have been five or six points up early in the second half. And we were doing this. We were keeping the ball. And this was Dublin kind of starting to get into this mold of, of managing the game and keeping the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We must have had it for about two minutes. When did Everyone the fifth start? When did that start? No. <laughs> I don't think that was that early, but 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 anyway, we were keeping it and like we were we were cruising in the game and we were shooting into the canal end and the ball came back to Keane and it must have been about halfway. And uh, he he just he was going for a 30 yard kick pass to the middle of the pitch to whoever it was, Fenton or someone, and he just sliced it under no pressure. And it went straight to Roy McHugh. And this was like still in Donegal's half. And every one of us knew, like, we're under pressure here. Donegal scored a goal from that play. Because we all pushed yeah. us up, we were keeping wide, and we turned the ball over right in the middle of the pitch. And every one of us, we were doing a review of the game the next day. We, we ended up winning the game anyway in the game, but we were reviewing that goal and how we conceded it. Keane himself and everyone else in the team was, what were you thinking when that ball goes to Ryan McHugh? And we all just said goal. We knew, even though he was in his own half, because when you turn the ball over, your team is set in an attacking formation. You're, you are wide open at the back. Wide open at the back. And that was the exact thought I had when, when Conor Ferrer was kicking. And what does, Keane, what does Keane say? He just sliced it. But, he he hardly spent, but he's hardly spending the meeting going, sorry lads, I didn't mean it. Like, what's he saying? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just, what happened? And he's like, I sliced it. And then everyone is just in panic mode, sprinting back towards our goal. But Donegal are... Ryan McHugh gets the ball like on his own 45 right in the middle of the pitch and the whole side of the pitch is wide open. Like. Um, yeah. And it's just a mistake. But it, it's gas. The mindset of everyone when that happened, we were like, we're, we're in trouble here. Like, yeah, I'm watching sure, it here. Team, like Donegal Phil at that McCoy. time. You're 11. didn't have the mindset. Jesus. Phil McCudd didn't have that mindset. They probably did to an extent, but they didn't go to complete panic and just start ripping fellas down. Which no. they probably should have. But Jesus, <laughs> at that stage Paddy, of the game. Paddy, I'm, yeah. I'm watching this here like, Sullivan's kicking him from his own 45. Like, you still have seven or eight players back, but you can just see the panic set in. You all start flying back here. Yeah. Who, ends up, who scores the goal? Uh, Is it right? McHugh that actually scores it. Yeah. McBearty to McHugh gives a hand pass. McNeilish sets up. Yeah, it's McHugh who scores it. Right, McHugh. One in the corner back. Could be Paddy McGrath who plays it across him. But yeah, that's interesting because you can just tell, you can sense that you're 11 points to five up here and you can just Level see the panic. Five. You're so in control. And the panic. James, when I did that, put my fist up, you kind of scoffed. Were you, did you hate that? Did you? I'm sick of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> that meant just chill out for five minutes because you're not going to see the ball. You're playing keep ball. <laughs> who? But what, 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 like, that what was what, actually like, mean? Was it just keep ball? It was just chill out. Like, just let's just relax. We're like, slowing down the tempo. Exactly. Not even slowing down. It was just... Again, if you're looking at it, we were really experienced. We, we'd gone through this. We, we'd worked on it on the pitch for months and months and months. And we were an experienced team. We, we played in all our finals. We lost big games. We won big games. And we were brilliant footballers. Even in our, in our pullback line, we, we had guys like, like Johnny Cooper, Kino, so like top-class players. Like Everyone knew we were going to keep the ball. Like. And that's what it, when I see seen Crokes doing it, there's no way they're at that level. There's no way they're at that level. And that's where, where panic sets in. You see Duddy Gall do it in the most horrendous conditions of Markovich Park three weeks ago. And they're bringing the goalkeeper into it. And you're going, there's no way they've, they've gone through this before. You can just see it. it's a high risk strategy. It's a brilliant one if you pull it off right. 
But if you've un- players who are uncomfortable on the ball, if you're players who haven't gone through that scenario before, you haven't spoken about it as a team, it can go horribly wrong. Do you and need- I just got the sense that, that you could see Croaks, they were dicing with it. Do you need all 15 players to be? Everyone needs to be on the same way. Everyone does, yeah. Everyone needs to be. It's like a it's like a penalty shootout in soccer. Until you've been in the situation in the last minute, yeah, everything is relying on you not doing the wrong thing. (laughs) Just don't give it away. Like even if you get those words in your head, it sounds easy. Don't do the wrong thing. You are definitely going to do the wrong thing. (laughs) You have to be so mentally strong that in that situation, and even in nineteen, when in the drawn carried mm. up to a final. Before that final, we practiced it so much. Who'd be doing I, that? There was, <laughs> was none of that. But if they get the ball, they just go like this in the corner. Like if, it, if it does come down to the last minute or two minutes, can we be comfortable enough yeah. to see it out? And it was it was fairly boring training out to be fair, and you'd hate doing it, but it was yeah. important. But we did get that chance and we couldn't keep it. And when you but say you, know you did it loads, what do you mean by that? Like, are you saying weeks and weeks? Well, from from the semi final to to the final, like okay, every okay. night for like instead of playing football nearly, we do that. Yeah. Wow, you know? we, we it's the, we're the same scenario, but but you're right, James. You, you, you can't prepare for it. Bear in mind, I, I remember this because it's, it's quite a famous few minutes for, for our team. Looking back, we were down to fourteen men. Yeah. Well. So Johnny had been sent off yes. for in with Clifford in the first. So we were down to 14 men and we were chasing it. And this was like, we didn't talk about it publicly at the time, but this was our kind of legacy. This was us going for five in a row and we were going to lose it. And there's just a desperation at that time. You get energy that you mightn't think you have. Mm-hmm. Kevin McMenamum, who wouldn't be around as the best tackler, ends up getting a turnover on David Moore, I think. He ended up running from the far corner of the Cusick stand and canal end, sprinting over to tackle David Moore and around just in front of where the benches are in Crow Park, I think with Dermot Connolly, and they ended up turning him over. And it was like, and that ended up going over and far side of the pitch, up the pitch, and Dean Rock kicks the equaliser and we get the draw out of it. But that was just a raw desperation from us. That was everything that was on the line for us. And we couldn't even prepare for that in training because it's, you do scenarios and training and things like that. And yes, that that's fine. But when it's the all Ireland and there's 80,000 there and it's five minutes in injury time and this is it, like it's, it's a different energy. It's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. very hard to prepare for. And that's what I mean. That's at the highest, highest level. When you see it in a club game there and you've seen the way Crokes were moving the ball around, I was not confident that they were going to be able to, you always felt there was going to be, there was going to be an error. And just the way that error panned out, like I say, James, it probably was the worst thing yeah. you could do. Like kick it to the stand, kick it dead, cause them a lead, <laughs> promoting yeah. it. But anything to kill the clock, do not kick it to the middle of the pitch to the guy's chest and he's off. And you're thinking, they are under pressure here. Somebody do something. Pull him down, do anything. Like yeah. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you've seen the celebrations coming out of Kirkou the wee village and down over the last few days but they've been up on Twitter and stuff it's well, well worth checking out they're loose looks loose but my god this is like something that's been in the works for so long I don't know if you've heard Conor Laverty's speech if you've gone and listened back to it but it's well worth uh, TG Carr tweeted it it's well worth having a look at it but there's there's a it's an incredible kind of speech where he talks about where the club came from the journey the group have been on 
and what it means to him to be top of the mountain, as he put it. But he kind of pauses and Autocrow Park is frozen as he calls on Mickey Moran to come up the sands. And Mickey, Mickey has said very little over the last couple of years in the media or anything like that. He keeps the profile low and uh, Mickey eventually gets cajoled to go up. But Connor's like, I'm not, I'm not going on with this speech until you get up here and lift a couple of us. So it's an amazing speech. James, when you're looking at that, I, there's a lot of clubs around the country who are going to be looking at that game. And Cro- Kilimical Croaks, I'm sure, will be sitting down in a few months. They'll be sick, but they'll be sitting down and saying, we can get back there. They're not going to be sitting there saying, oh, sure, you've got to win your county championship first. But a lot of clubs around the county are thinking, or the country are thinking, how can we get to Cuckoo's level? How can we get to that standard? When you were in Killarney, watching your town neighbours do things like that in the 2010s, they were getting to All-Ireland Club Finals in the mid-2000s. Were you thinking in Killarney Legion that you could get there, that you could get up those steps, that you could win the All-Ireland Club title. Did you ever feel like that? I don't think so. Um, I suppose we we were always so up against it with, with the Crokes. They always seemed to be on that upward trajectory in Killarney, you know, when they had they had some unbelievable teams. So before we could think about going anywhere, we had to be to win Killarney, you know, which was which was so difficult. But what it comes down to is mindset. If you can get everyone in the same in the boat with the same mentality, but realistically, you have to give everything up for it. Like I could see all the Kilku fellas were tweeting and they were doing interviews. I, they gave up their lives for mm. the last for the last couple of years to get there. And there's not many groups that will will go to that extreme. You know, it has to be a special group and it has to have special management and it needs a spark or something. It needs something to drive that passion for them. And they obviously, they smelt it and they went for it. And now they have it for the rest of their lives. But I mean, there's probably only, there's probably only a couple of teams in the country who could, who could even have that sniff of it. Do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, if I was to say, what can McCutter going to do now? If they think about getting back to an All-Ireland final, they won't. Like they have to go back to just next game, next game territory. Because if they start looking too far ahead, and I know because when we've lost our Ireland finals and we're thinking about going back to the final next year, as soon as you start thinking that, it's so dangerous because you'll, you'll miss loads of steps along the way. You just have to start again at the bottom and just go step by step, next game, next game. And that's the only way back for them. On the Croaks, Dr. Croaks, Killarney Legion split in Killarney, I hadn't realised it was quite so stark the difference in dominance. I always had thought that it was, I suppose, a similar enough level of, of success over the years. Like it's, it's quite remarkable, the difference there. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. <laughs> Sounds it. <laughs> you couldn't like, have been You know, I wouldn't have kept, I, I barely understand Kerry County Club Championships as it is, but like in my head over the last 10 years, it always felt like Killarney Legion were in the mix for for the county championship. Like you had come close a couple, am I right in saying that you come close a couple of times? We did. We did. We had a couple of very good years. We had Peter Keane was our manager in 2014 and 2015 with Legion. Okay. And we were always getting to club finals. There's only eight clubs in Kerry, eight senior clubs, which is very harsh because the ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th best clubs in Kerry are just as good as the first eight, you know? 
Mm. But to win to win a club championship or county championship is very hard. But we got to the final in 2015 and we lost by a point in a replay after extra time. Jeez. And that was that was Dickner. No, we'd we beaten the Croaks. We beat the Croaks one of those years in their own place. And then we lost to South Kerry, which would be another division. Brian Sheehan, Brian Sheehan's crowd. He was kicking free from what 250 yards. Oh, half, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Brian Sheehan kicked one five that day. Yeah. We were seven points up and um they had Killian Young as well in South Kerry. Yeah, they had a very strong team, but that was kind of um we had a good team there, very good team, 14, 15, 16. And then we just um we we didn't do well last year and we were, we're down to intermediate now, so we're we're out of the top eight. So Dr. Crowe's going to win the All Ireland the following year, James. He's just trying to he's just trying to do him here. I'm Legion. I know. <laughs> we're gonna start talking more about Legion. Less about the Dr. Croaks, please. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Best of luck to Killarney Legion this year. All right. Not, did you ever okay. take a side of Jimmy? Did you ever try to get your cross? <laughs> oh, did that ever happen? No. Never me. Huh? Gooch tapped you up, did he? <laughs> no, it's good. Goose, Goose got a good night in JMR He's there in the town. Like, they bloody on. relegated the you last year. I'll let you take the freeze. <laughs> They they relegated us, yeah. Oh, stop. We'll do that. We'll get into that again. Okay, okay. That's enough for that. Enough for that. You're listening to episode four of the Football Pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. You could hit subscribe wherever you're listening right now. If it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or you're on the OTB Sports app, make sure to hit subscribe. You can also leave a little rating if you want. We would love that. We're going to be back right after this with the James O'Donoghue Ask Me Anything, where anything goes. All right, you're very welcome back to the football pod of Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. We have got a lovely slot lined up here. It's called the Ask Me Anything with James O'Donoghue. He, he agreed to do it when he first signed his contract uh, with Off the Ball, so he's uh, he's got no choice in the matter now but to, to face up to it. James, I'm going to start you off with an easy one here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a couple of questions from our Instagram listeners. We've got a couple of lengthy emails in. Some stories that I could verify, some stories that I couldn't. So I'm going to put some of them to you and see what happens. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to start off here. You got a, me to verify. <laughs> with a really simple one. Right. Keen Butler has been in touch with this one, as well as a few other lads. Ryan Groves is one, uh, wants to know as well. What are your favorite football boots, James O'Donoghue? Favorite football boots? That's an easy one. But it has changed. I was always a big predator man because of David Beckham. Since I, was about, since I was about eight, I was obsessed with Predators. And then I got to about 16, 17. Stuck with them, but changed to Tiempos as soon as they came out. Okay. Nike Tiempos. By far the best boot in the market at the moment. Yeah? What year was that? 15. 14, 15. You were wearing Adidas against us in 13, weren't you? Yeah, little zones. There, I give them yeah. a close second. They were a lovely boot as well. How do you know that? The Adidas boots. I just thought they went very plasticky. The, Nike kept up the letter with the with the tempos. Male of it. I wore Adidas the whole way up, Preds, and then twenty fifteen moved to Nike, the Mercurials. Oh, uh, yeah, no, the Mercurial vapors. <laughs> <laughs> are these not soccer not, boots? Are these not soccer yeah, boots? They were, but they were like in Croker in the summer, like they were so light. Like I was not 
what Nike were thinking of when they launched the Mercurial Vapors. So. <laughs> but I liked them because I, I thought Adidas got really clunky. Adidas, like the Preds, they used to be slick, but the lighter ones were, were big heavy oaks and they were grand in Castle Bar in February and March. You wouldn't be wearing the Mercurials over there now uh, in springtime in Connacht. But um, I changed quite a few of us did actually. A few lads were wearing the Nikes now towards the end. Johnny Cooper, Clucko was one as well. Uh, Cormac Costello. It was just in summer and Croker, they were light, like slippers going around. Like, so, uh, yeah, that was the same. That's funny. Moved on to Nikes, so, yeah. So, the tempo, Nike Tempo was your, your favorite boot. Nike Tempo, my and yours, yours is the Nike Mercurials. Yeah, just do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've been going with the uh, discount code at Nike.com. PA15. I've been very boring the last years. I've been going with the, the World Cups. Nah, I can't know. You're better than that. Cup on the odds. No, that's what I've been doing for the last two years. Cope maybe now but you can uh, wear Cope as about two sizes too small because they stretch. They, they do. They do stretch. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, World Cups? No, 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 no. Well, the World Cups more for the winter. You kind of need them. Yeah, yeah. You kind of need them in the winter. Okay. Uh, this isn't about me. This is about James O'Donoghue. Uh, next question, James. This is from John. Right, so uh, we did a bit of tweaking to this. So John tweeted us the other day and he had a question. Uh, what is your fantasy seven-a-side team in Gaelic football? So John has a couple of rules here. He said, it has to be a player from the year 2000 onwards that you've seen and you remember. You don't have to have played with them or against them. Now, I've tasked Paddy with this as well, so I'm going to hear Paddy's in a minute. So I want to hear what your fantasy seven-a-side team is. So what we're thinking is here is a goalkeeper, two defenders, a midfielder, two forwards. That's six. And then you That's can pick six. what your seven player is and let us know where you want to go. Okay. So, okay. Let's hear So I, I went with no carry because I would be biased. So I left all carry out. Right. Of course, there would be lots of carry contenders. Mm-hmm. But I said, for fairness, I won't go with that. Okay. But I do have two dubs to start. Um, so in goals... Me? <laughs> you're not cornerback. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I got excited there, sorry. I have Cluxon in goals. And especially for a seven-a-side team, he plays outfield club, doesn't he? Yeah. Do he play centre-back? Six for Parnell, I think, yeah. And you'd have to say he is the best goalie of all the time. Yeah. So he was very hard to, to not put in. So that was an easy one. Cluxon in goals, I have. Okay. And then I have some we've mentioned already today, um, James McCarthy, um, who is just a phenomenal athlete. He looks like a warrior mentally. He always <laughs> turns up on the big day. I just have a great time for him. I think he's a savage operator. And he'll get a few scores as well. If you only have two at the back, I think he'll come up for a few, for a few points. Very important. Um, next to him, I have... Surely the unluckiest player to ever play. And it's Lee Keegan. Like how that man doesn't have an all-Ireland medal is is crude. Yeah. Because every single big game, he turns up with with a point to, to turn the tide or a goal or an unbelievable tackle. He's never beaten defensively. He's always up with his man and he always contributes on the scoreboard. He is, he's an all-time for me and Ferris, and I have a great time for Keegan. So, we've, McCarthy and Keegan at the back. 
Do you ever get man marked by Keegan? No, because Keegan did take on a couple of man marking jobs, but more yeah. so around 16, 17, 18, 19, he more so turned into that. I marked him for maybe 20 minutes, two or three times. And Who, he was you marked he, him. Oh, that's I, I like how that went. You marked him. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I was chasing back after him. No, I was pointing to fellas. When was that? Awesome, huh? No, he, he even as a marker, he could play you from behind because he was fast enough. And if he played you from the front and you got it, he had the pace to recover. So he kind of had he had both things there, and he was always very physical. Um, <laughs> so I must say, I like, I like he again. Okay, and uh, going for an attacking option. Michael Murphy, Donegal. Um, You're bending the rules here a little bit, putting Michael no, Murphy no, no, in the field. No, 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 no. He plays out there. He plays out there. Murphy's and he played, he, okay. played, he played all his under-21s midfield. Okay. Um, and he'll score just as much. We had the, the argument about Reno O'Neill, obviously. He'll kick points from midfield, but I would rather have him inside, but just for this, I have him, I have him midfield. I'm sure you can let him ghost in for 15 minutes at a time if you want. He can. Now, the two fellas I have inside, I don't know, would they be tracker backers? But the first fella is Galway, and I saw him in live in 2008 against Kerry, but an absolute masterclass. Do you know oh, what it was? Michael Meehan. Michael Meehan. Yeah. Oh, cool. Was sensational. We had a minor game. We played awfully in the minors, and Barry John Walsh got, I'd say he got four goals and 10 points outside for, for a minor team. He was going to be the, the next big thing that time. And we got the bus up to Crow Park to see Kerry and, and Galway. And it was terrific. Yeah. It was shocking weather. It was not a day for good forwards. Do you know, like, or, well, not saying that, but for skills, it was a difficult day. And he, I think he got 10 points. Oh, he did something like, outrageous like that. Galway got like one, 116 or something. And he got 10. There's shocking YouTube footage of that game. There's no good footage of it, I don't think. Yeah, which yeah. is surprising because it was a high-profile game at the time. It was billed as like one of the best games ever. It the- was, uh, there was flooding outside. Jones' road flooded. It was like was terrain, it, yeah? terrain. Yeah, yeah. There were big issues outside. We played Tyrone Actually, next day. And, oh, it, was the rain, yeah. and it was beautiful. And hammered us. Sorry, lads. The game is up and full on YouTube now in the last, the last yeah. year, so it's there now. Yeah, that was a classic game. Terry tried a couple of fellas on him as well, and he he did the business on all of them. And what, what let, let, like like me and me and was injuries caused him serious issues throughout his career. But like it's what best, you say with, with Lee Keegan would be one of those unlucky players, and I get that in the sense of winning that Ireland. Me and the surely up there as well. Like I remember he was on that Jarlets team, and he won two hundred twenty one All Ireland. He destroyed Dublin. In an order of 21 finals in 2002 with Galway. They won it again, and him himself and Sean Armstrong were inside, and they scored yeah. for five or six goals between them in the All Ireland final. Yeah. He won the All Ireland yeah. club with Caltra in 2004 yeah. against the Gale Tox, and Mark O'Shea was marking him again. Like he had an unbelievable record up to senior. And this guy was going to be the absolute, like Michael Meehan was one of the greats. Like, and once he kind of hit senior, he injuries wrecked him. That, like that's what that, that Kerry game started. I remember Jimmy as well because it's one of the only really times you see him at senior where he showed what he could do, and he was just his ankles and heart went out to him. But he talent wise, yeah, off the charts, like, off, the off the charts. But he played. He played so aggressively, like in his movements. Even he he was so powerful. 
that mm. he'd sprint, stop, turn, sprint, horse the fella out the way. He, he's <laughs> almost the type of fella who would get pick up injuries just from the way yeah. he played. And he was a physical leader, yeah. One of the left leg. And do you remember the free he got against Cork off the ground when oh. it was 10 times on the line? Oh, I- iconic. <laughs> yeah. So he is not, it was, I just think that he's a, he's a, he's an, an iconic player in fairness. You mentioned a man there, Barry, Barry John Walsh. We'll come back to him another bit. I have to ask you about him. What happened there? I like brother Tommy. He was one of the next big things coming, wasn't he? Tommy's brother, was he? Tommy's yeah. brother. Yeah. yeah. They were both savage, um, savage around the time. And Tommy or Barry, Barry John was on the pen in 2009. He was getting game time. He came on in, in nine in championship. Yeah. Yeah, and so he won the All Ireland, but he went travelling then to okay. Chicago. He's still in the states. Um, oh, is he still in the states? Okay. What happens? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Great, great teammate, great player, savage left leg as well. Okay. A couple of yeah, me and now, left leg. Last three, forward. I four lefties in the team actually. Four out of seven. Who is your final yeah. forward? I have a fella who. I always, he was always my favorite player. Um, when I was watching football, this fellow was ever on. I was watching. Um, he had a bit of everything, and it is Owen Mulligan. Oh, class! Um, Mugsy. Mugsy. And again, sometimes it it doesn't like an iconic score or a performance does do it feel like, and that goal against Dublin, like I I could watch it a hundred times on loop. It's mm. just sensational. <laughs> How the lads bought the three dummies? <laughs> well, hey, what what does Patter ever say about it? I think Patter was the third one he dummy. Yeah, Patter. Or the Patter, second. Sorry, Paul Casey is the third one. I think. Patter, I have, was, Patter was the first or the second one. Yeah. I have this theory. Only story on that, lads. You're talking about raffles. And if Muggsy's listening, I don't know if he is or not. I have that jersey in this house. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Number twelve, the Bank of Ireland football championship jersey. Patter swapped it with him, and I actually meant to say it to him. I think I've definitely bumped into Mugsy in town on a few nights. Um, and I was like, I have that. Patter had given it to me. Uh, they swapped after that. It was the drawing game. And the drawing obviously won the replay and won the All-Ireland that year. But I have that jersey in this house somewhere. It's up in the attic, I'd say. There's hardly any peroxide blonde streaks on it or anything like that, is there? No, it's, it's the old school ones, like really baggy. Like, baggy. There must have been jersey swimming on it. I, I must get it back to him because uh, I'm sure he or in Toronto that would be... Uh, uh, that would be a big thing. Obviously, it's an iconic score. Like, but uh, yeah, that's the, even the, the commentary on that goal was ah, was unreal as well. Darren Maloney. Yeah, yeah, it was. Darren Maloney's there on him a double leg. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's iconic. <laughs> he was the most excited man in the stadium. Yeah, I think he's a double fan. Like, there, come on, like, give us when a break. He settled, he settled down. He was in front of goal. He was like throwing three dummies, and he still came up with the finish roof and net. He buries the boy Cluxton. Yeah, he buries yeah. him with like, Luxon. So it's like gigs in the FA Cup semi. I've I've a theory. Um, Kenny Cunningham is a is a colleague of ours, and off the ball, who'd be off and on. And I've a theory that Kenny Kenny's face appears in in some of the greatest goals ever scored in Premier League history. Paulo De Canio's goal for for West Ham, you know the the scissor Paulo, chop. Yeah, scissor Kenny's face it goes over Kenny's shoulder. David Beckham's wonder goal from the halfway line. Kenny Cunningham's on the pitch that day. Tony Yebowitz strike that bounces off the crossbar and goes in. Kenny Cunningham <laughs> freezes by his shoulder. I swear to God. But now I'm starting to think that Patter Andrews possibly bore witness to some of the greatest scores ever as well. Like Morris Fitz's oh, sideline. He's on the field in 01, isn't he? That he's day? in front of Morris Fitz, yeah. He's in front of Morris he Fitz. He gives him a great line for Morris Fitz to kick it over. <laughs> Mugsy dummies him for the goal. Mugsy, I'd probably Mugsy have to dig out another one for it to be an actual proper, a properly... Uh, 
proper conspiracy yeah. but yeah, there's a few, yeah there you go James final player now this is the important one where do you pick your seventh player where do you put him I'm putting him top of the D defensively uh, or forward no up front up front but this fellow was a roamer and he was if you're saying it's a wildcard position this fellow was the definition of a wildcard Mark McHugh McDonald Kerr no. McDonald yeah. Kieran oh, 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 oh. Bobby, come on, you're better than this. I, I knew, I Kieran knew. He's savage. Come on, in the seven aside, like it's a smaller pitch. Like his no, he's, 15 he's right outside of the left wouldn't be as useful. I don't think in the game like that. Uh, did you, did you ever play the Croke sevens? No. Did you ever play the Kilmer Cut sevens? Not Ireland weekends. We never played in it either. We never invited Bridget anymore. I think the clubs had around like, but uh, it always looked class. Like it's the, it's is it twenty one to twenty one or is it a great idea? I think it's, it's uh, a big field anyway for seven aside. It's yeah. it's, a, it's hard work. Jesus, Kieran McDonald. Yeah, he's the wire. Well, he's not doing any tracking back. Nor is Al Mulligan. Yeah, but what you do is you give them the point and then you score a goal on your attack. So did you see McDonald playing the uh, the charity game a few weeks ago? Yeah, there's any on that's that probably why he was on my mind. Okay, okay. oh yeah. sensation. Rolls Royce. Yeah, Great no, fellow as well. I, I, I never never played against him, not at all. But uh, so how many bumped left? into him? Bumped into him in in St Clair's in DCU. I think we were training with Dublin and Mayo. The development squad was up. I think Mayo were playing okay. under 16s or something. Playing Dublin under 16s in one of the pitches. So we'd finished training and went over and just had a look and see what the story was. And there he was, looking the coolest man in town. Like, yeah, and uh, was chatting over a few minutes and just like. It is like we're all our age, similar age. Like he was an icon. Like we were growing up watching GA, and he was just a superstar. Like, and it's just a great fella. Like, for a five minute conversation, I was like, walked away. Couldn't have been a sounder fella. Um, what a player! Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got two. I got two dubs. I have two Mayo. I have a Tyrone, a Galway, and a Donegal. I like that spread. I think that's a that's a quality uh, team. No, obviously it would have been seven carry if it was real. I have seven dubs in mine. <laughs> Let's hear you, Paddy. I put myself on my own team. Can I put did you? Did you? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up front. I didn't fail to get a game at all, but Jim was the coach. So, mind anyone else. so yeah. James, you're the manager of your team and you're going up against Paddy's team. Let's hear it, Paddy. Right. Give it. Uh, Cluck on goal, obviously. Um, okay. My two defenders were with McGinney. Yeah. Oh. McGinney. He was actually probably underrated as an as a footballer. He played with Nafina up here in Dublin for years. He used to play midfield for Nafina, and he was he was like nearly McDonald. He's outside of the left, and he would be pinging balls in. Yeah, unbelievable. And he, I don't know if you've really seen it as much with our man. Remember watching him because Bridget and Nafina would have had a big rivalry back back then when he was playing. Nafina won three championships in a row, and they Jo and Desi inside. Desi Farrell was in the four, and McGinney would just be like launching these 50, 60 yard passes in. He was unbelievable. But in a seven aside thing, he, you're not getting by McGinney. No one's getting by McGinney. No chance. So if I've him and then the man beside him, I have again for specifically seven aside, Jack McCaffrey. Because you've got no chance of catching this fella in a seven aside. He's hard enough to catch 15 on 15, but in the spaces of a seven aside, it like, McGeady, you hold fort here. I'm going. So I'd have McCaffrey in. He'd be a handful. Midfield, I'd have Fenton. I think Fenton... He's going all Dublin here, isn't he? You're on four dubs already because McGeady... He's played his football in Dublin. Dublin. I don't think McGeady would be happy to be called a dub. <laughs> <We're to be laughs> <honest. laughs> 
Uh, I'd have, I have more of those. Don't worry, I told you. Uh, Fenton is, I think, the best midfielder since 2000. Barrow Shea is up there as well. But again, yeah. and specifically with sevens, Fenton's an animal. His athleticism is off the charts. Uh, my forwards were, I needed someone really fast. I went for speed with the space. And the only one that came to mind, now I could be wrong here, Shane Walsh was in the mix. But I think his decision-making could annoy some of those teammates. Uh, Darren O'Sullivan mm. from Kerry. Class. I just think, class player, and boy, God, he will be a have. At his peak, I know he did a couple of knocks and injuries and stuff, he was just lightning. And there's nothing worse if you're a defender than someone who just has electric pace yeah. and their space. It's like you're up against this. Uh, the other forward I had with him was actually Con O'Callaghan. Okay. And I find Con very similar to what you, how you describe Michael Meehan. Like, when he gets the ball, he's just... One, he's a savage tackler. So, again, he'd still the seventh game. But he has the, he's just... He nearly plays like a hurler. Like He's an unbelievable hurler. Like, can you see the success he had with Kula? Tommy Walsh. He's, he's just... Yeah. He's so hard to stop. He's an he's just an absolute bulldozer, and he goes for goals. Yes, like, I think he'd be a perfect. He's, I think he's nearly a perfect 15s player, but he'd be a perfect sevens player. And then my and one come here, left, how how would Con do with James McCarthy marking him? I don't think they've ever. They were always on the first team in training, so I don't think they ever uh, they ever had to mark each other. That will be phenomenal stuff. Be, the, way, the way you've described Macker, Jimmy, is uh, is spot on. Like he's an animal. Like he's you couldn't. He's loved by obviously supporters, but by his teammates as well. Because that's there's no nonsense. There's no. It's like right, who are we playing today? And let's go and do it. Like front on the front foot all the time. Whatever, and he, like he, we would have used him a couple of times. He's an unbelievable athlete, obviously, and he's still going. In. And I think. Like you're with Dublin's greatest ever players and, and our team, obviously, the success we've had. Cluxton's probably always going to be, you feel, number one, the most iconic, but you guys like Berno and Dermot Connolly and, and guys like that who are massive fan favourites, but like amongst the players, like Macker's arguably like number one, like him and Cluxton. Yeah, really? Okay. And still going now. And that's like... Yeah, yeah. Bear in mind, Dublin's challenges now. You have Macker and and can't still come back into the team now. So that, that's the kind of level I put them at. How good they are, um, and I'm sure they're delighted that they're in my seventh team, my imaginary seventh team. Who, 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 where did you pick your number seventh player? Because this this is a this is an interesting. But, one. I was actually going to go with Macker, but I thought, geez, that's Jimmy put him in in his team. I I'd think probably, I'd, I'd probably go Lee Keegan, yeah. I just think no, 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 no. You, you got These Keegan, teams are going no. up against each other. They're going up against each other. So we're going to. So you can't have Keegan. You can't have another dub as well. You have too many dubs in there. No. Uh, who else was just taking care? But I like the way you're thinking. You're thinking of playing an extra defender to 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 negate James. See, I'm going. I'm leaving McGinn and Clucks the whole fort, and I'm, okay. everyone else is just go go and attack. Who else? I'm trying to think from another county. Mayo. Who's your second? Def- oh, who's your second defender? McCaffrey and McGinn. Mm. McCaffrey's just going forward. Um, Tyrone. So you went. You went kind of to actually win this match, right? <laughs> I'm specifically <laughs> going for the. You seven. went with your favorite players. <laughs> I'm taking I this went, really seriously. Like, 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 how, how are you going to sell sell out this stadium? These. Are okay, the so players. you want you want a flare player? My last player. Who was your roaming? You, uh, Kieran McDonald. Yeah. So you're looking for someone box stuff from the noughties onwards. Yes. 
Paddy got the shirt very late, so I think he's making it up as he's going here. I'm making this up on the spot. It's high pressure. You can pick a carry footballer. You know, you are allowed to pick a carry footballer here. Like, like if you put mine in, like, was mine played? Oh, one, yeah. When yeah. the mine have finished? Oh, four. Mine was football year two thousand. Still playing two thousand five or six, five, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Put mine in. Yeah. He played in. Five like, is he, uh, who's he thought of in Kerry now? Like, like no, well, mine is one of the greatest, isn't he? The greatest. But even even now yeah, that he, he's he's, kind of, he's gone twenty years now, probably fifteen years. Say. Oh, fella, still. Oh, he has talked about as an unbelievable leader. That's his thing. Like he just turned the games himself. But I get, I get like, the leadership bit, like, but he but was no, a phenomenal player. He was. Is he, like, he respected like, technically how he played? Like, yeah, in the air, he was outstanding for a small, but he's not big. He's not yeah. six foot. I think he's maybe five, ten. And he would outfield the best of them. Mm. And he put in savage work into that as well. Did he? And anybody. He's still playing with Clem Fesk in the Intermediate Championship now. You're marking him. <laughs> He is he, is, what's he doing? Is he involved? Well, well, no, no. What? Is he underage or? Um, he's media stuff. He's never, you, I haven't heard much from him. He, he was he's like, definitely involved. Twenties wise. Co- yeah, he's on the ticket, isn't he? He was on the ticket for Stephen Stack's management team to go against Jack O'Connor. The or dream. The all-star selection. The dream, yeah. <laughs> dream ticket. Yeah. I think they came up with that team like this. Let's go. We get in. Right. Let's go in. Let's yeah, move on. Get on all your shares. Yeah, who's your seven? Really no, his seven is mine. Yeah. He's taking mine. Him, and uh, I think that's two quality teams. I actually think Paddy, you'd be quite good at FIFA Ultimate Team. The way you're picking your team there with the the speed of McCaffrey and Darren, you know, it'd be very very mine difficult. Specifically speed. for sevens, like yeah, like you, Darren's son's a brilliant player, but I don't think he's one of the best forwards in the last twenty years. Yeah. Like he's a brilliant for player, sevens. but he'd work for sevens. But he I mean, I'm sure we're missing some obvious ones. Like, no, like Joyce, he was still playing. The Park Joyce. Man of the match, we all are the final, no one. Yes, points. he was kicked 10 points, no one. And Joyce your, your lovely mate. The last time made were relevant. I wasn't going to mention me today, but there you go. Um, okay, look, yeah. you got your team. You're, you're taking mine okay. in. I'm going to give you mine in, right? And that's a good team. James, how did you balance everything while playing inter-county? Fairly open-ended question. It's a good question, though. Um... No, I suppose no. it's hard. I, I didn't really, definitely. Sometimes I, I didn't. Um, I put all my eggs in the inter-county basket, really. Really? Yeah. What do you mean by uh, that? This is from Shane Lowe, this question, by the way. I suppose nothing else mattered at all. And it was a, dang- it was a dangerous way to be, but I just couldn't concentrate on anything else. I was just obsessed like with, with playing for Kerry and and doing the right things that way that I found it hard to motivate myself in, in anything else. And I suppose that's why it was difficult then when you kind of, when you have to give it up because you realize that if you're not getting the rewards from, from it being your number one completely, then you have to, you have to pack it then. But I suppose um, it is, a, it's a game at, at the moment for college um, students, do you think who have who have, who have the time um, and the breaks, the recovery, um, the downtime? I think that they're they're best set for it. If you can stay in college for as long as you can, try and get your degree, stay on. I'm it. Older. 
<laughs> get your masters like all the dubs you were in it was DCU was the, they were in hold on a second they were in course after course they were in diplomas and this and that hold on I would, <laughs> I would challenge this personally <laughs> but no I, I if you are in college I think it's your best time to really improve yourself as an county footballer because you have the most time in your hands Second career, I would say, that helps is is teaching or one of those where you have the summers off. Mm. Um, and then you can kind of battle, battle, battle until May or June. And then you have the downtime to really focus in. But yeah, it was one of the things that I definitely... Um, when you're coming towards the end, and I suppose, I don't know how that how long that end was when you're thinking, my number one isn't paying off for me here. How yeah. much of a stress or pressure is it then to go right how do I line up my career how do I get on top of career are you chasing then like are you in your mid-20s then and you're looking around and going do you know I, I, I should be maybe two or three years on or were you able to get that yeah. were you able to kind of bring that along no I was there I was there definitely where I was kind of thinking yeah I have to start my my career right now as well um just because I put too many eggs in that basket really so if I was to give anyone advice it would be definitely align the two properly but I mean, if, if your football is not going well, you blame work. <laughs> you, know, you, you find something to blame. So it's never, it's never something easy to fix. But I hate going on about injuries, but I was leaving work um, at five o'clock, say, to get into training at, say, quarter to six, to strap two shoulders, two ankles. Mm. I was getting strapped for an hour. And then out onto the field, like rushing out for a warm-up. Even the anxiety of rushing around... You're not in the right mindset. Um, so like that was on my mind as well. So I definitely didn't get settled with the two work in the two, do you know? Yeah. Just like it's it's there's so much that goes into it, like there's so much prep, there's so much that goes into those five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, because it's a short span when you get to play intercounty football. Paddy, you're you were shaking your head there once or twice. What was your experience? I think there's like there was a misconception around the Dublin team that we were all doing feck off and just playing. <laughs> like I'm looking at two of our best defenders, Michael Fitzsimons and Jack McCaffrey are doctors. That's see whatever, like we going through finance and business and things like that. There's exams and there's challenges with that. It's very difficult to become a doctor and <laughs> play intercounty football and the two lads with that. Keno Sullivan is generally considered like the lord of tax <laughs> with PwC and he's with BDO now as a director um, again phenomenally difficult exams and I remember we would be coming training and in some cases lads going back to the office and things like that so there was a kind of conception or misconception with Dublin that we were all spoofers and we just playing ball and that, that definitely wasn't the case and I know for my own you're looking now on Merchant Conor Callahan are in, in PwC doing exams and tax and, and um, advisory in, in there like but from my own experience I joined Davy out of college out of DCU and I'm straight into exams there QFA exams which, are, which look there handy enough they're not too bad but then it was straight into the CFP their financial planning exams they are difficult. There's a lot in that. Lectures in the evenings and stuff. So you're you're balancing that. Then I was doing well in Davy and kind of 
rising up through the ranks there and then you're dealing with, with clients and stuff. There's a massive responsibility in your job. Um, you're looking after people's money, which is an unbelievable responsibility you have. So you can't turn around and go, well, I've a match. I'm <laughs> off training and things like that. They don't you've got to, you've got to, no, they don't give you. Like they, they hope it goes well for you, particularly if, if your clients aren't dubs either, which, which a lot of my clients wouldn't have been. They don't care. Like, yeah. Uh, so there's responsibility with that. And then, and my role now with Madison Ireland, there's probably a bit more than that. And that's, I don't think I'd have been able to do the role I'm doing now in terms of managing a team and, and, and I can imagine a lot of work in the financial planning and stuff like that and playing in their county as well. But how did you align exams. how did you align the stri- your like the drive for five with like that sounds like a stressful enough work environment. But but I, t- I tell you what and, and it's funny for me I didn't know any different. I it was always it was always in my I don't know whether it's my personality or, or whatever it was. It's hard to put a finger on it but I never wanted to not work or, or, or have time off. I, I, I don't like kind of sitting around idle or not doing anything or, or anything like that. And, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just for my personality, it was always, and the environment I was in, in, in Davies, obviously a, a, a pretty big company and, and there's big demands on you. Um, and then exams and stuff like that. If, if you want to progress, you, you kind of have to have the academics behind you um, and that's part of your development. I kind of just got into that routine where that, that was just true in my career. I didn't really know any difference. So it was, it was, I didn't see it as a massive strain. I'd no spare time, but that, I was fine with that. I'd nearly get in trouble if I had spare time. <laughs> so I just accepted that I was working, I was studying, and then I was and, playing with Dublin. And was and football was an outlet? Was football a release? No, because football was heavy going as well. <laughs> football was full on. Um but it, like, look, I, I, I the same as Jimmy saying there, and if you was coming from town out to the ECU for training, and you're, they're long days. But, um, but that was it. Yeah, you just you, you like catching up with the lads. But it was full. Dublin was a, a full on environment as well. Like, like you're going from one high high performing environment in a business or an organisation, and you, you were going into Dublin, and there was no no foot off the gas there either. Yeah. Um, and that was it. But I, I just found that that you get into that routine. And you're always hectic and you're always busy. But that suited me. And like it, it might have suited every player and, and some players would prefer having, having spare time and things like that. But for me, that suited me. And I know there was definitely, there was, there was quite a few of us with that team. Like the, the examples are given, the Keane and Jack and stuff like that, where it was high pressure with exams and work and stuff like that. But that was also a focus, a focus of mind. Like there was no leakage. There was no time wasted. It was when you're with Dublin, you're with Dublin. And when you're doing your job, you're doing your job. And, the, the biggest thing I'd say, we're all fortunate, and I think this is this goes for any intercounty players or intercounty teams out there. Our employers were very supportive of us, and Jim Gavin was always unbelievably understanding with exams and work commitments. Like, say, you didn't, no one dared take the mic and say, oh, "I have an exam, I can't go train" or things like that. But if there was times where it was. Listen, I've something on, we have a conference or we have a big client thing on this evening, I can't make training or it'll be a bit late or I have an exam at the weekend and I need to study. He was always, 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 without fail, that work-life, that balance. If you've something on professionally that you need to do, go and do it and then come back. Because if you try and manage both and you have an exam in the morning and you're meant to play a match that evening, you're just not in the right space. You, you won't do well in either of them. Whereas we're very fortunate. Jim was always massively supportive. 
and we were fortunate that our employers kind of supported as well because it was a benefit for them. Yeah. Like with PwC or Davies or whoever that we've so and so who's on the Dublin team and we were winning all Ireland and things like that. So there's benefits for them, but yeah, it, I always well, prefer to be busy. Definitely, that suited me. Yeah, and, and it, it strikes me as well that like it must be a very individual thing as well. Like because when you do look oh, across yeah. the country and different circumstances and different squads, you may have managements that are you know, in slightly different places, or you may have teams whose aspirations are slightly different, teammates and squads that are slightly different. You've got players traveling back from one end of the country to the other to make training. I thinking about it, like logically, James was saying, like, if you do want to become an inter-county footballer, the smart move is staying in college for as long as you can. In a lot of these cases, like a caveat for us, and I know this is a benefit, and you probably didn't think of this time. We were all working in Dublin City Centre. Dublin's mm-hmm. a small county geographically. That if we were literally finished work at maybe half four and we'd be out to DCU for half five to get ready for training. I know it's different. I know that's not every county has that luxury, particularly you can carry if you're working at Clarny and you boys are training or if you're down in Dingle and you have to come up. Yeah. We were lucky in that regard. So that did suit us, but I accept that before people start giving out. Thing is like another time zone from some parts of Beautiful Kerry. Down there, no? Yeah, no, it is. Do you, do, where did you train, Jimmy? Were you using was Currens up and running? We or did you oh, train at Cheryl Stadium? We're we've been in Currens, I suppose, for three, three, four years, four years in Currens, and before is that, that year around the whole season, season you're there. Um, it was at the start. It was kind of winter training in Currens, yeah, because we had the lights, and then as soon as the nights got longer, we'd go into the stadium in Clarny. And that was like that was like the beginning of the serious stuff. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to get that switch over. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah. It was. We were to say we used to train in a place called Inish Vales, uh, Bar Griffin, but like a grim enough spot. And it was it was meant. It was look the the club were great for giving us the facilities, but as players, it was a a hard place to go. January, February, March, and like Jim would have put us there intentionally so there was no uh, no errors and graces um, but it was you used to go back finish the league go back to the club and then come back for the championship campaign into DCU there's no lights in DCU so you couldn't even train in the winter but exactly what you were saying Jimmy when you was arrived in, into Fitzgerald Stadium when we got back to DCU it was like it was like a new season it was like yeah. the summer's here this is it's championship time and it was the buzz was different the buzz was completely different it was an energy completely different energy yeah I have a quick one as well here. Um, favorite away ground, James. I'm not going to ask Paddy because he never played outside Crow Park or Dublin. Parnell Park. No. Parnell Park. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite away grounds are all Munster. Really? Yeah. For Mullingar has an unbelievable surface, um, nice tight field. Um, supporters kind of on top of you. That is a very nice field to that. That stadium, nice atmosphere up there. You can aim for the Dunn Store sign. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it does. It, it it closes it in a bit. It mm. makes that scoring goal a nicer one to kick into. It's strange, but it does. But then you got it in in Munster. You got Parky Cueve is always savage surface. I know it's obviously an unbelievable stadium now as well. You've got Ennis, Cusie Park and Ennis as beautiful surface. We played loads of minor games there. Again, tight kind of nice atmosphere there. And then Simple Stadium in Turles is like carpet. 
it's really? the closest surface to, to Crow Park, I reckon. Okay. So I it, it's and you've the Gaelic grounds, of course, another away one. Um uh, hold on, are you judging your love of a ground by the amount of joy you had on it? <laughs> that plays I'd say that plays a part though, yeah. It probably does, yeah. But no, I'm not. I'm not. I, I would go with favourite away ground, I'd say Ennis. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Okay. Because it's so it's so enclosed. You don't, you don't want a stadium where there's yeah. hundred people up there and a hundred people somewhere else. Yeah, if everyone yeah, yeah. is on top of you there, there's a nice noise and the surface is savage. Cool. Your favorite ever score. Favorite Sorry, ever I better score. shout out the people who've asked these questions. Hold on. You, yeah, you think of your favorite ever score, Darren. I'll, I'll get the, the messages here. Paddy, you go your favorite ever score. Favorite ever score. With the right from the did right. you did you pick out did you pick out the <laughs> score against uh, Donegal that time on the right wing underneath the the Q? Oh uh, yeah, Ryan yeah, McHugh yeah. says to you, how the how did you score that? Yeah, it was in, oh, I was in the Q's like, staff when I kicked it. Yeah, pretty much. Ryan McHugh has got it. Ryan McHugh and Paddy McGrath were going to take the ball off me imminently. So I go exactly what you're saying to me. He was on the right from the right, mm. and I go I'm pulling the trigger here, and somehow it went over the bar. Yeah. 2016, I think. Yeah, it's Garold. Garold Marcy asking that question about the, the favorite score. So, well, do you have one, James? Uh, I say my favorite score is probably um, the goal against May on 14 that Danny cast to draw the game, just because yeah. of the timing and we were gone, like we were we were down and out without Danny, and he came on and created that moment, and. It, it was lucky with the finish because Henley just dived. Like I was just catching it and putting it onto my foot and trying to connect. <clears throat> it just squirmed under his under his arm, and because he had come out, he made it, it to the didn't he? It hit the post and go in. No, it just snuck in under him. Oh. Um, but when I got it, I was thinking, will I jink it? And I don't know why, but I just said, no, I just. Catch what do you mean it. by jink it, like dummy? Yeah. Because you didn't have time for a dummy. No, I didn't. I, I would have absolutely had a mare if I did, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get on. The kids would have taken their head off. Yeah, might have got a penalty. Yeah, but yeah, that was a nice one. So so Morin gets it. He's down by the managers under the Hogan on the right hand side of the pitch. He steps his man outside of the right boot ball to Donahue. You're there. You've sniffed the goal chance. You're under Kieran. Does he palm it down to you or does he catch it? No, he catches no, it and he slips catches. it to you. He's he in complete control. He does all the work. Like that was the great thing about playing with Danny. He would, he'd do everything for you, and he just wants you to finish it off for him. That's class. So yeah, and um, so he like he wasn't having a great year at the time. He was picking up a lot of injuries, and he came in that day, and it was basically save but, us, just save us, and he did. And he went down, had a great game in a replay, and scored the goal in the final. It was those three games. It was the the. Yeah. The impact he made. That was Emo O'Brien with the question about the favorite favorite score you've ever scored. And Carl Ferter was asking, uh, what was your favorite goal? So you answered two and one there. And Orla from the sideline live had a question, and I'm just wondering, did it happen in that moment? Did you ever enter a state of flow or some slow motion during a game in your career? You often hear athletes talking about time slowing down at certain points. So, you know, golfers saying it or you know, maybe footballers saying it at certain times. Did that ever happen to you where you just you're in the groove, you're in that state of flow? not that exact thing but I suppose there is kind of a stage if you're playing 
at your best or at least even if you think you're playing at your best you mightn't be but even if you have that mentality where I'm at my best here you are you are more calm and as a forward I suppose when you're calm your decision making is better so it's like a circle you know it's just the calmer you are the more confident you are the better decisions you make which makes you calmer more confident better decisions and if you can keep on that cycle it just everything leads to the next thing to the next thing and I suppose I probably got into that groove a couple of times in my career, but that's the that's the, the mind frame you want to be in. But it is all confidence, really. We have a lot of questions in about the Keith Higgins battle back in 2014. We're actually we'll look at it again in more depth when Kerry play my own in a couple of weeks. But you were on it that day, like both days that day. Like, and the, the best thing about those battles is that Higgins dispossesses you. Like, it's you. I know you rack up sensational scores, but there's times in that game where Higgins feels like he's on top or did it ever feel like that in it? Or did you just feel like, yeah. keep giving me the ball, keep giving me the ball here? Like, Yeah, no, it definitely did. He he was on top, but... Was he? I, I suppose the thing, as a forward, again, you only need one yeah. chance to ruin his 70 minutes. Yeah. Like, and you have to have that mentality all the time. I only need one ball here and you're you're in trouble again. You know, so I think if you have that, you can stake at it. But there was times, all right, and it happened to me a lot in a lot of games. This, I'd be beat out to a ball, or I'd be, you know, I might make a mistake or whatever, and you just have to reset and go again. But the way that we were playing with Kerry at the time was, you didn't have any time to feel sorry for yourself or to get in your own head. Well, the next Mar- ball, Mar- and Moran were bombing it into. Yeah, it was just coming. We were kicking so much ball. It was just constant kick passing. It was. It was unreal to play in to play an inside line where you knew the ball was going to be kicked into you so often and we worked so hard on it that you knew that fair enough I dropped that one but I'll get to the next one but I, I, we had Padraig Corkin was our um, he ended up being our coach with Kerry but he was on water at the time and every mistake I made he'd run in Eamon would send him in and he'd come in and it was, I don't know what he was going to say. It was like, James, don't drop the next one or something. Like, the most unhelpful thing you can possibly say. <laughs> I just cut him off. I say, Pac, I know. And he go, all right, all right, all right. And he dug off again. So uh, there were there were good times. But like, yeah, you'd make the mistake, but you have to back yourself to get the next one. You only need one chance. It's, it's Alan Mulcrone asking this. His battles with Keith Higgins. Please ask James about this over the years, especially the 2014 replay. Two unbelievable players. When you're saying there, that you know you can ruin this lad's day with one moment, one touch, one goal. Are you saying that with your energy? Like, are you, when you're being marked and the cameras are the other side of the field, are you, are you losing any energy in saying that to him in showing it? Or are you just like, are you just like in your own mind? Is there anything, any interaction going on with you and Keith Higgins that day? I never had or have any interaction with any opposition player. I don't care for that. Like they, obviously, they're going to throw stuff at you, but why would you bother getting involved in all that stuff? Like in fairness to Higgins, he was never one of those anyway. Yeah. Um, he's not going to rub it in your face saying, I dispossessed you. You just sort your own mind out. You have your alone time for a couple of seconds. Next ball, next ball. That was our mantra. Next ball, off you go. And it was always quick coming. If it's five minutes coming or 10 minutes coming, then you might start getting a bit... Yeah, more internal, or you might get a few more negative thoughts. And but I suppose we'd have we'd have done a bit of work on that as well. And in the Higgins game, like, okay, so there's no 
there's no chat going on at all. Like, there's nothing like, I've got you here, I've done that. Or, you're just, you're just but, on it, like, cool, you know, calm. It's, it's, it's funny, like, we, Mayo backs were never... Mouthy. Never mouthy at all. Like, we'd have serious battles with them, and, and bear in mind, this was, was all man-to-man as well. Like. Yeah. So, so Mayo backed the defenders, particularly around that time. You were in war with your man for the match, and we had it with them so much in all of our games, but there was never a... We were physical, like we were, we were very physical, but there was never any chat, like never. And we, like our forwards, wouldn't have chatted much. And now our backs probably did did a bit of talking, but yeah. But what can like be this, said to you that's actually going to put you off? Like if you're playing at that, if you're playing yeah. in an All Ireland semi or final, something someone says to you on the day is not going to throw you off. Mm. I, I think it's wasted energy, personally. But and if you don't, and do, do you know when you're losing when when balls are being pumped in to the full forward line and you're not on it? So yeah. randomly came like didn't come across it. I randomly started watching the 2015 All Ireland final back just to you know have a couple of things ahead of this. You touch the ball more than anyone in that first 10 15 minutes. You keep showing. Um, you're playing a slightly deeper role that day. It's funny, like Gooch. I don't think Gooch touched the ball for nine minutes. Who was marking you that day, Jimmy? Johnny. Johnny Cooper. But yeah. in the first five or six, like the, the ref pulled you for uh, over carrying, which is very harsh. Yeah. The Johnny, it's a horrible day. I, the wet, I the did rain. that small, I did that small hop where you and bounce with two hands. <laughs> with your over carrying. Backside and out and hop it. David Caldrick, good mead man, Tommy, great ref. It was you, not over you wanted, that, you wanted that day. Um, Anthony Meyer actually really broke my face in that yes. I turn. <laughs> I turned and he was turning into me and neither of us seen each other. And like Anthony Marr is a big man and his face just like smashed me front on. I was panned out. I remember it, yeah. I meant to send it to you because I screen grabbed it the other day as well. You, you like, it looked like you were out for the count, man. Like it actually looked like the doctors are on talking to you and you're just there. You're like... It was like right in the mush. It was like stood yeah. on. Couldn't couldn't have caught me sweeter. Yeah. And not a bother on him. He was grand. He was just yeah. But he caught you. I think not he was up face. here. He caught you up here, I think. No, I thought it was it was face. Was it head to head? Okay, I thought yeah, it was chest. Yeah. Um sorry, James. My question there was like so it's it's a messy day. And I think Dublin started quite well that day. I think Dublin, I think you went two points up, Paddy, and Guilty. You uh, yeah, I think you got on a bit of ball as well, but like it James, is. you you keep showing like, and it's like, is there not something in you going? It's not happening for me here, like, you know. But you get three points, like you have two points on the board for half time from play. You were good, yeah, you were. You were flying. You just kept those, showing. Like. I, just thought, well, like. I just thought there was something in it that day. In that, like, if I could, if I go back, obviously after you lose, I played that game a lot differently because I was showing for a lot of those balls, but like with the weather and everything, they probably weren't on. Do you know? But like you're so ready for that day that you're going to keep going, keep going, keep going, no matter what, until it's done. It's all said and done. You're going to keep at it. Some people freeze, I'm sure. What's that? I'm sure some people freeze. I suppose, yeah. Well, probably all of those moments. But when you're, if you prepare properly, I used to actually always prepare I'd go in myself and I'd throw on the earphones or whatever, but I'd prepare to have the worst start to the game imaginable. What do you mean? Uh, I'd, I'd 
go over it in my head that every ball I got was taken off me, that I was Mr. Free. Um, maybe I was booked. Um, maybe someone was in my ear. Some, you know, all those things. And then you do the mentality side of it to come out of it. And the next ball, do the right thing with that. And you're starting a new circle then, as we said. But if you just prepare yourself for it all to go just as you want, you're absolutely fooling yourself because you're against the best players in the country, the best defences. They prepared as well as they could as well. So things are going to go wrong for you that you have to be able to bounce back from. That's interesting. Caroline Curry spoke about working with Paul O'Connell and I think she was appalled by the way that he spoke to himself before games. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one small element. Obviously, there are other things there where you you imagine the best things happening and that's that gets you excited for the game and that kind of releases different juices. But yeah, I just thought that that did happen to me at times where I'd have a shocker of a start. So I had to have it in, in the head to recover from it. It was from I, past experiences probably. Yeah. And you would work through that process before the game. This is how we get myself out of it if it happens. Yeah. Did you, were you like that, Paddy? Um, similar enough to James. Yeah. Like you, you, I agree. You are fooling yourself. You have your daydream moments during the week where you're thinking, I, I get the ball and I go by a fan and clip it over the bar and that's great and you'd roar the crowd and all that good stuff. But the real, you have to be realistic here as well. Like These were the biggest games against the biggest teams. Nobody, nobody, no matter who they are, how experienced they are, how good a player they are, has a perfect game. Like We're talking like you're looking at the minute. Clifford, for example, like high profile, top player in the country in terms of, of what he's done over the last number of years. He kicks wides as well. Like you have to have you have to be prepared for that moment. The best thing, as, as James has said, okay, that's happened, you accept it, and you need to switch back on immediately. And whatever way you do that, whether it's you have a trigger, whether you're relying on your teammates to talk to you, you might have a conversation if you see me drifting, talk to me and you're in communication for t- whatever it is. You have to be prepared for things to go wrong. That's just your preparation. You're not overly focused on it. You're not tiring yourself and anchoring yourself to go, I'm going to have an absolute howler here today and getting on top of yourself. But you need to have prepared that there are going to be moments in this game, particularly in the biggest games, where you're going to be under the pump. And what's my response going to be to that? Do I drift and let it get on top of me? Do I react negatively and, and lash out at someone or... Or like make a bad decision, start forcing shots. You see it so much, particularly in forwards, where they're under pressure, and then the next ball they get, they force a shot, mm-hmm. or they get blocked down, and you're thinking, why is he doing that? It's so obviously, but he, he's in his own head, he's under pressure. So, ex- exactly. We used to always, it's about like responding, not reacting. Take a right. second. What do I need to do to get back here? And it, it does take because it's not a natural thing, particularly for younger players and things like that. I would have worked on it very similar to, to, to what James is saying there. Okay, the ideal scenario is this. But if this happens, if something goes wrong, how do I respond? Yeah. What am I going to do on the next ball? Okay. And then you get you develop it and you become an experienced team. It's like you can see it in your teammates. You see a guy who's who's hot, he's on it, get him the ball, GM up. You see a guy who's struggling, the same thing between a kick out or a set player entered. That was the only time I used to talk on the pitch. I was the to, same to as a teammate. Team. Only to a teammate, and I'd never be negative to a teammate when you try not to be because as the opposition if you see the, your 
if you see, say we're playing Kerry and Jimmy's going hatchet at Brosnan for not kicking the ball in, our backs are all over that. Mm. And they're building, they're egging it on. And the same, if we're, if we have a keeper, if we're pushed up on a kick out and we see he's struggling, then you're on him. Yeah. You know, you're creating that, just that extra, extra doubt. But um, at that time, it's just experience and things like that. But very similar to what James is saying, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, Stevie Boy wants to know, was there really a fella up a three in Kerry in 2014? Yeah. <laughs> was it Tony Gall guy? Was, it, was yeah, there actually a fella up a three, yeah? He's... He's local. Um, I'm not sure, was he from Donegal? No, he wasn't from Donegal. I think he was Kerry. And he uh, he was good friends with Jim. From back in yeah. the Tralee days, was it? Oh, he's the Tralee. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he said, obviously, we locked at the gates of the stadium. So we must have had a few fellas out kind of looking or something. I don't know how he, he, he alerted the authorities of the Gary senior team, but he went up the tree anyway to have a look. And the same day, Gooch was after doing the cruise shit, but we were playing an AVB game and Gooch played half an hour and was outrageous. Really? Like, really? Oh, disgusting. So he was and just he back, was he? He was just back. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Manny probably, was he? No? He would have been playing centre forward, yeah. So maybe someone like that, yeah. But he exhibition anyway. And if your man had actually seen that, God knows what he would have taken back to Jim McGuinness. He was lucky he was caught. But, uh, <laughs> Cause Goose didn't play in the end. But your man went up the tree and I think they shook him out of it, I'd say, and he, he kind of ran away, but he left his wallet and stuff after him. <laughs> This is the report at the time. A man was spotted by members of the Kerry backroom team perched on a tree while a behind the closed doors training session was taking place. Now they described him as a Donegal man. They said the Donegal man was close to then manager Jim McGuinness and was rumbled when members of the Kerry backroom team heard the noise of rustling branches coming from the grounds of St. Fennan's Fennan's Hospital. St. Finian's Hospital, the this? now vacant psychiatric unit adjacent to the Fitzgerald Stadium where the senior squad trains. Kerry the Fitzgerald Bethany Stadium Gaw, is a big... Like, he must have been up a monster of a tree. What's a, how uh, can he... He's retraining him. Fitzgerald Stadium. Stadium. He can see over the... He climbed. Over the, it was a big tree. Big tree, buddy. Jesus Christ. So over the... Just behind the terrace. You know in Killarney, behind the terrace, there's yeah. the hospital. Right. So there are spots there where you can where you can see. So he, he climbed one of those trees, yeah. Wow. You'd want to be getting a few uh, quid off. And did you, did you yeah. know what that night like? Were you laughing about it? Were you, like, yeah. rage, were you raging like her? No, it was, it was comedy gold. That's it was brilliant. comedy gold. That's brilliant. But yeah. you, if, if that's on the, the management there, they could turn that into an, oh my God, look what they did kind of thing. But yeah, again. Just laugh it off. It was, it was funny, yeah. It was Simon. Okay. It was just a mistake. Okay, a serious question now, right? <clears throat> what is your favourite colour? Come on, where is that question? Okay. Uh, this is from Shane McCarville, Scotstown, Monaghan, Canada. What did James have at Subway in the airport in the Cayman Islands? He was inhaling it, and me listening to the pod at the same time, wondering who you guys had lined up to replace Andy Moran. I had Darren O'Sullivan or Aiden McGee in my mind. I was looking across at James. By God, he looked ready for action for this season. He was some baller. <laughs> 
Cayman Islands. Can oh you my. confirm you're eating a subway? I actually airport? was eating a subway in Cayman Islands. <laughs> <laughs> the nothing else there now. Brilliant. The airport in Cayman Islands now is like yeah. a shed with a couple of pilots hanging around waiting for the next plane to come in. You can see they, they fly him. <laughs> it was a filler yeah. conference. A lovely subway. A footlock. Yes, he was listening to the pod. He was well. listening to the pod at the same time. There you go. Global. Global, uh, baby. We have, we have a double-hander here. Best player you've played with and what player from another county would you have most liked to have played with? The fellow that I'm going to say that I would like to have played with is Kieran Kilkenny because I think that he, he has a bit of everything and he, he seems to be a savage team player. Yeah. He never makes silly decisions or decisions for himself. He's always doing the right thing. And he keeps hammering the hammer. Like he keeps doing the right thing over and over and over again. Even if, if it's the boring thing, if it's the thing in that game that needs to be done, he's the one that just keeps doing it. And he, like he's actually, it's hard to say he's underrated, but like he is, he's the thing that keeps taking over the dubs when they're not going well. He'll come up with, with some move or some pattern of play to get a score and restart the whole thing. So I definitely would like to play with him. I think that he's um, he's a savage operator. And <laughs> the best I've played with, again, is a, is a cheap question because it's like, mm. obviously you're going to say Cullum, but if I was to go outside the box on it and mm. not pick your obvious couple, don't pick Cullum or down here or Galvin say or Declan then I would say the fellas I liked playing the most with were were Maher and Donica Walsh really um, yeah and it's interesting you said about about the the work side of things and the fellas doing medicine Donica those two lads were very unbelievably smart fellas and yeah. you, know, you you need those fellas in the team like we actually had a very intelligent team at the time and just like the Dubs had it in there yeah, five or six in a row. Like, but the two lads were um were unreal to play with. Um, and is that? Uh, I'm I'm wondering is that because of how they fed you? Yeah, hundred percent. But they were so selfless, and I suppose I was so selfish that it kind of worked. <laughs> Balance. Balance. <laughs> no, like it was easy. I always thought we talked about it before about relationships built up in a team, and they were just two fellas that you could easily build a bit of chemistry with. And they were always interested in, like Kenny, doing whatever was the right thing over and over again. Yeah. And Dunica used to play 12. And he'd come in on his right and he'd give a lovely inside of the boot pass. And then he'd ghost away in and he'd be on the penalty spot wide open. Mm. He just had that knack of ghosting in for hey. a goal chance. And he'd do all the... We knew that, like. We used, yeah. to, we used to prepare for that, like. For Dunica Walsh. Yeah, because it goes under the radar. And to be fair, in 13 in the semi-final, he gave McCaffrey a bit of a runaround. You know, Jack was only new and, and Jack was obviously brilliant going forward. Jack, no, Jack McCaffrey. In what year was that? 13, 13. semi-final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 13. I think, Jack, I, think almost, I think Jack got whipped off. At half I, th- I think he did. brilliant going forward and he was yeah. exciting. But that was his first. Him and Kieran, they kind of command the same big time in 13. And Donica just, he was, he out- outwitted them. And then ever since that, every, every time we played Kerry, it was like, this guy, you won't even see him. You'd be focusing on the Gooch, you'd be focusing on Jimmy. 
and they're getting drawn to the ball and there he is just creeping up to the sideline nearly like a Ryan McHugh and all yeah. of a sudden he's on his own would he be he's waving was that what he'd be doing would he wave for he, the ball he, uh, he, be like, was he, at that. Like, he was a smart guy, a smart player like, he was, very smart player yeah. Yeah. but such a good team player teammate savage teammate same with Maher he'd always have the defensive responsibilities locked in do you know he'd be, he'd be in tune with the goalie with the half back line and then he'd also get up for a lovely score. He had an unbelievable outside the right. He did. And he had a lovely inside the right, from the right, like your, like your favourite one, Paddy. He didn't hook many mm-hmm. over, but he'd, he'd have the one from the right with the right. And gimme's. They're gimme's, Jimmy. Gimme's. Oh, they're a tough kick. They're a tough nah, man. They're a natural ball. kicker to have that. He had it. You can't kick them. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> uh, you're only saying that now. They're lovely scores. Um... Two more quick ones. What did you see as your greatest strength on a football field? Uh, <laughs> aerial jewels. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Harry Maguire. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Milk could turn faster. I heard what someone said. But no, actually, t- probably turning. I could um, probably just stop my sprint and go the other way. Fairly quickly. That was my thing. Sharp. Sharpness. Yeah. I like that. I might come back to that as well another day on, on how you worked. And Paddy, what was your greatest strength, did you think, on a football field? Was it the gimmies from the 13-yard line? Uh, no, I, I always would have felt a big plus. For, I, I played for the team. like, and, and when you're in the full forward line, that can be hard to do at times. And particularly like I, when you're playing with the club and stuff, you're the main scorer or... You've had underage success or whatever. I was fully aware um, my role playing inside in, that, in the forward line with Dublin was create space, get on, be a link player and get the ball, get the ball off the midfield or get the ball off the halfbacks and get the ball to Dean or Bernard or, or Mano or Khan that they were going to be closer to goal and get a lot more scores. But I, 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 I never had an issue playing in that role. Can I ask you, did you ever get caught in, and I don't think you did from watching you uh, a good bit now and watching back your games over the last few years. I don't think I've spotted you. This happened to you much. But is there not a danger of getting caught there where you're, you you've, t- you've tuned your instincts that you want to find the right thing straight away? Whereas I suppose when you're playing at the club, there's that predatory in- instinct to get the ball, turn and shoot. Like, do you ever get caught where you passed on a good chance because you felt like you should have played it, but then in hindsight... You, you probably could have taken I didn't mind because I was passing it even if I could have kicked it myself I was generally passing it to someone else who was going to score okay so I, I didn't mind and it, I think it was great coaching in a way we, we obviously Jason Sherlock and then Jim as well like it was always like if it's on kick scores and I would have taken shots from, from difficult angles and stuff like that where I knew I was going to nail it but I was never under pressure going you need to score four or five points today yeah. It was very much, I was fully aware of my role in the team and I was good at getting out to the ball, winning the ball, creating space and then getting the ball into someone else inside. Like, Could I have done the other role? Possibly, but I didn't need it because those guys were better at that than me. Yeah. So it was a bit of, yeah, you'd, you'd always want to score more goals and get more scores and all that type of stuff. But I was happy. I more so meant, was there ever any, there was probably wasn't like, but was there ever any matches where you regretted not being a bit more selfish? No. No, never. It always someone it always else. Someone, someone else scored. I genuinely that was it. I didn't care. Maybe okay. that's why I've known stars, but alas. But there's there's a couple of there's a couple of different um, 
aspects of a forward line that make up the whole thing. You know? yeah. Like if you just have three fellas who are going to hook it over whenever they can, you're, you're never going to do anything together. You know, so you Not do have work. to, but the only, uh, and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, with backs, they need to be constantly on each other to remind each other if something went wrong, how they can fix it and go go on with that. But sometimes it's forwards, they're changed more often, you know, so it's hard to get the, the, the set. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think if you leave, if you leave three forwards together for long enough, like they'll take on a role each. Hmm. And that has to happen to be successful. And for those, for them to take the role on each, right? So if, if I'm thinking yourself, Ganey and Donahue or yourself, Donahue and Gooch. Well, Don, that's why Donahue was a great thing for you lads because Donahue was like, he knew he was brilliant at one as- aspect and understood his limitations probably. And now he could score as well. Like, but yeah. I remember I've spoken to him about this. It's like, why would he need to force anything when he's got Jimmy... Gini and Gooch, who are definitely going to score. They're 10 out of 10. Whereas if Donny takes a shot, maybe it's 8 out of 10. Now, does he get a bit more glory? We just need to do that. So yeah. that awareness and understanding that, that's why I think he's a brilliant player for you lads. Mm-hmm. That's from the outside looking in. Maybe Jimmy, you'll confirm it. Yes, he was, he'd be very good. Like It's not just about him maybe catching the ball and giving it to you. He'd be very good at interfering with your man. Locking the runner. <laughs> like that's Interfering, so I like that. I like that phrase. I, in fairness to, to Andy and Killian O'Connor, they had a good yeah. thing going where they used to make very selfless runs where they'd, they'd run to put off the defender and leave the other fella free. Yeah. And they didn't really mind who got that first ball. And they kind of shared that, that around and they had a great twosome going there. I think Danny yeah. was in the same ilk as the boys. Yeah, that's very interesting. We'll come back to some of that again. Um, last one to leave it on from Preston Keating, your biggest pet peeve. Andy Moran used to have a moan of the week. We haven't brought that back this week. Anything you hated about the game or anything you, you didn't like about the preparation or anything like that, James? Maybe maybe you were just an easy, easygoing, laid-back kind of guy that you, you didn't get too fussed with that stuff, but was there anything that you'd... The, the only thing that did get me at the end was the meetings. <laughs> 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 there are meetings about meetings at times yeah, yeah. and that's in in life in general I think there seems to be a grow for meetings I just don't really <laughs> have that grow but you need to you need to get the players for a short time engage them and get out onto the field yeah. you know yeah, I would say yeah. that was one thing maybe that um that I would change. I'd say that's communal across every single county and it's even in club I'd say we used to have like at any time the coaches would be looking for feedback or the start of any season it's like what, what would you change and without every single year of my career it's like we need to knock the meetings on the head here mm. <laughs> or do them before training so when you finish training get your grub and go have a bit, bit of crack with the lads and get out of there Yeah, but I would say every, not just Dublin every team that's like, can we please knock this on the head? Like, yeah, and get out of here. Like. It does interfere with the crack because either it stops you having the bit of crack before training and the kind of kick around and the bit of camaraderie yeah. there, or else it interferes with your, say, post training meal where you'd be relaxed after training, but you're yeah. not relaxed because you know you're going into a meeting. So, well, either way, it, it's affecting that's, that. That's that's yeah, we do, we do it before our meal. 
if, if we knew it was going to be a snappy right. enough to do that because that would be a big thing and particularly for lads we're talking about coming from work like we'd be leaving the house at 7 o'clock in the morning this is now half 9 in the evening and you'll know Jimmy after training the half an hour you have having a grub and a cup of tea with the lads and a bit of crack is like that was the most enjoyable bit of the yeah. day nearly the training was hard the meetings would be serious and preparation and stuff but you get half an hour where you have a bit of a laugh you're slating lads who had a howler training or whatever it was and just a bit of crack that was magic stuff that was one of the best parts but like, that is the best part yeah definitely lads we, we've uh, I told you it'd be a snappy one this week I absolutely lied through my TT uh, we're a, a, a decent bit into the podcast here this week I hope people are enjoying it it is the Ask Me Anthem with James Dunn here we're going to cut it at that there are so many more questions there uh, we'll save them and we'll, we'll drip feed them in across the season as we go along. Loads of good stuff. It wasn't that bad, James, was it? You weren't you weren't under too much pressure there. It was it was no, it was no, they were they were kind good, questions. Kind questions, good questions. So, <laughs> just to run through the fixture for the weekend, we're not going to do any big previews here because there's going to be some good games to get stuck into next week. I'm looking forward to having a, a good chat about Dublin Mayo next week. Armand Monaghan mm. is on on Saturday. That's going to be on the BBC iPlayer. Hopefully, we can get a look at that. Kerry Donegal is Sunday. Tyrone Kildare is Sunday. They're both on TV. Gary Cork is going to be available on the TG Car app in Division 2. We're also going to have Galway Offaly, Mead and Down, must-win game there for Mead, and Roscommon Clare in the Hyde in Division 2. In Division 3, we've got Antrim and Wicklow in Corrigan Park. That's going to be interesting. Um, Wicklow have been a sleeper this year, I'm telling you. Wicklow have got two decent performances under their belt, and they're going up to Antrim. It'll be interesting to see whether Enda McGinley's Antrim can get their show back on the road. For Man and Need a win, they're playing Leash. Limerick are up against Loud in the Gaelic grounds and Westmead are playing Longford. In Division 4, it's Carlow against Waterford, Leitrim against London and Parkshaw and McDermott. Sligo against Cavan, which could be the battle for the number one spot in Division 4 and Wexford against Tipperary. On Wednesday night, it's the Sigerson final. Don't worry, James, we're not going to get stuck into another Sigerson debate here. We're going to we're gonna move it on briefly past that. But that's one that's worth keeping an eye out. You should be listening to this, the Football Pod episode four on Tuesday. It's out on at 6 a.m. on Tuesday morning. I'm going to have it edited and up later on tonight. And uh, just the last bit of house business this week. Kevin Ford, joined top of the table. Our fantasy manager league has got in touch. Our fantasy Gaelic manager, the Football Pod League. Well, Tommy, great show as always. Andrew has Leitrim flying. Niall Murphy from Sligo did the business against Carlo, scoring nine points for me. He was my captain. I got 66 points in total, which is probably why he's gone up to the top of the table. Paul Conroy is doing well in midfield. All my forwards are going well. No transfer window this week has put me tumbling down the leaderboard, I'd say. Oh, McLaughlin's out injured for a while, hopefully not too long. I had planned to swap my captain to keep Byrne for the next few games. Can you tell Paddy to have a word with Brian Fenton? He's not going too well for me at the minute. He only got me 10 points in two games. And also, can he yeah, have his... I'll pass on that message just now. I'll ring him now. Hold on, there's another message for you. Can you also have a friend, a word with your good friend, Rory Gallagher, about not playing Chris McCaig? What's going on there? Keep up the good work. Kevin. Niall Hassan also joined top of the table. Well, fellas, cheers for the mention on the show this week. As we've no transfers to play with at the minute, I'm hopeful of a big performance from Fergal Logan to put Kieran McGeary's red card rescinded before round three. As we speak right now, I'd say... Uh, there's a Valentine's appeal going on right now for the Tyrone lads and the Armagh lads to get their red cards appealed so we should know about that later in the week keeping an eye on your old mate Andy Moore and uh, star forward Keith Byrne he's in my team 
also on the lookout for defenders playing further up the field. I noticed that Tommy's already spotted one playing for the noisy neighbours in Armagh and Aidan Nugent. Finally, a big shout out to the lads at Owen Rua for organising both the fantasy football and hurling leagues. A serious amount of work goes into it on top of the usual club activities and it all goes towards the club. Fair play to you giving a bit of exposure. Cheers, Niall. So there are two fantasy Gaelic football managers who are top of the leaderboard this week. It remains to be seen whether Paddy Andrews will be able to log into his team this week to make a few changes. James O'Donoghue, you will have a busy few days ahead of you. You're going to tell us what you're up to. What are you doing, Jimmy? Huh? Go on. <laughs> what am I up to? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh stay. I was thinking oh, work tomorrow on the day after that. Yeah, stag in Prague Saturday Sunday. Home it's a, dub- a double stag and he's the best yeah. man for both it's a joint stag for Jonathan Lane for oh, yeah. wing back yeah. and uh, Jamie O'Sullivan another buddy of mine uh, plays for the Legion so they're both getting married in the summer and yeah stag and Prague I'm best man for both so we have to organise the whole thing <laughs> lovely Are we, uh, we're recording next Monday night yeah right? it's going to be like your Rory Gallagher episode if anyone wants to go back and look at that Paddy was a ghost for the whole episode James has landed about two hours before the podcast don't worry James we'll carry the can for you next week oh man Rory Gallagher I don't think I spoke he was talking to me and I was asleep in the chair like. I was home from Marbella about three hours in about eight different pieces oh, Marbella, <laughs> you, did for Rory, yeah. you did very well well James best of luck and best of luck to the lads this weekend hope you have a great time thanks very much to everyone for tuning in this week that has been episode 4 of the football pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue we will chat to you next week looking forward to it <laughs>